Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about mask mandate lifted, hilarity ensues. Clay Clark joins me to talk about the World Economic Forum's view that people are useless, fighting the Marxist ideological invasion, a list of how-tos, the Democrats' insurrection insanity rolls on, and leftist race baiters causing violent crime. We may not get to all those, but we'll try. And of course, I'll tell you why those stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. You likely heard that a federal district court judge in Florida actually has ruled that the CDC-issued mask mandate on public transportation is not constitutional. Struck it down, CDC having no authority to make such a rule. And so this is a fabulous thing. Um, and right away, of course, there were cheers uh, of all, from all sorts of uh, sources. I want to first play for you. I sent to Mr. Becker a series of uh, videos. This first video um, is of actually the people who were um, on an airplane at the time the announcement was made. They, they actually came on the microphone, the system on the airline, letting that people know that the mask mandate was lifted. And so I want to have Mr. Becker play that for you. April 18th, the Biden administration announced that the Transportation Security Administration will no longer enforce the federal mandate requiring masks in all U.S. airports and on-board aircraft. Uh, effective immediately, immediately, masks are optional for all airport employees, crew members, and customers inside U.S. airports and on-board aircraft. As I'm sure some of you may have uh, friends who are flying today, I've had numerous friends who happen to have a flight today taking pictures of themselves, a whole airplane full of people not wearing masks. I want to tell you that there is a spirit in the air, a spunk in the air, a, 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 just a sparkle of energy, because people are realizing that this mask mandate, which many people viewed as oppressive, tyrannical, not the government's right to tell you, uh, clearly taken, uh, carried out too long, uh, inequitably enforced, often not followed by the ruling class elite who have, like Obama, has a birthday party, no one's wearing a mask, but the mere peasants in America expected to comply with a mask mandate. Plus, the more informed you are, the better informed you are when you read the doctors who have been trying to say from the very beginning, masks do not stop the spread of viruses. As I've said in the show, and I'll tell you again, I've had uh, Dr. Simone Gold, other doctors on this show, the size of the virus, the COVID-19 virus, is one one-thousandth the width of one piece of hair wearing a mask to prevent that size of little particle getting through your mask is, as Dr. Simone Gold said in this show, and others made a similar point, kind of like building a chain link fence to keep out mosquitoes. Completely pointless. But I will also say, so when I said hilarity ensues, I, I can't tell you how just comical this became. So there was a, so that announcement happened. Other airlines had similar announcements um, that someone recorded them saying that one, the stewardess or the flight attendant making the announcement got kind of teary and just said, I, I haven't taken this off in two years. Great stuff. But there was a really funny thing that happened, uh, which was there was a gentleman who was um, uh, put up a tweet. And I, I find these just almost uh, beyond just hilarious. This is, uh, this is I, I labeled, I think, Mr. Becker, clip two. But there is a clip. So this is a tweet a Mr. Jared Rabel put up. So here's his tweet. I boarded a plane today with my son, and mid-flight, the pilot announced that the mask mandate is over. Flight attendants pulled off their masks and sneezed directly into their hands while screaming, this is MAGA airspace. My son turned to me in tears. I don't know what to do. So he posts this as though it's serious. And then he gets, he receives a direct message. If you're on Twitter, you know how this works. He gets a direct message from this New York Times alleged journalist. Hi, Jared. I'm a New York Times journalist. I'd love to speak to you over the phone about what happened on your flight this evening. Can you please give me a call at blah, blah, 
or let me know how I can reach you. Hope this isn't coming too late in your day. Thank you. Look forward to hearing from you. So she actually wants to interview him because she believes his first tweet. And here is his response, his direct message back. Well, hello, Victoria. I would love to discuss the incident at your earliest convenience. I was pretty upset about the whole thing. Unfortunately, it's satire that only someone at the New York Times would believe. In my time of contemplation, I was wondering how your team deals with a multitude of false stories that you peddle out daily to use as political propaganda. And if you could give me advice on how to take my satire to the next level, best wishes. Okay, you may have seen that because it was all over the internet this morning. I love that. And I, not just I love the humor and that, it, the, honestly, it's a, a serious point for a moment. A New York Times journalist, they're so far gone, so confused, so out of touch with reality, they actually think that on a U.S. airline that a media person would do what he described, would actually, uh, actually watch a stewardess take off their mask, sneeze into their hand, which no one's done for 20 years, uh, and on top of that, uh, yell, this is MAGA airspace. I mean, this New York Times journalist actually thought that happened. She actually believed the guy. And so the satire is pretty funny. I, I have to tell you, I really enjoyed it. I'll tell you, I started off by saying I think that the, it's, it's like the bubble has burst, that the you know, freedom train's on the way, because it, shortly after this judge announced her decision, this, this uh, district court decision saying that the CDC mask mandate on, on travel was unconstitutional, uh, two airlines at first said, you know, we're, we're not sure we're going to follow that. American and United said, we are retaining our mask mandate. Well, the world has turned off the mask mandate now. And so very shortly after, they said, ah, never mind. Actually, you know what? We're not going to follow it anymore. And if you really want proof that the lesson has penetrated even the uh, most ominous, pestiferous, what good word to use, Uber and Lyft, those two uh, transportation businesses that are regularly, they were, I mean, they really earned the mask Nazi label during the uh, COVID masking thing. Uh, both said also they're done with mask mandates. My friends, freedom is in the air. People have had enough. They're not going to play this game anymore. And so they're saying, we're so sorry. We're done with the mask mandate. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. We have a guest joining us in a moment. He's joining us via Skype. His name is Clay Clark. He's been on the show numerous other times. Uh, he himself is a wonderful, wonderful and very successful radio host. Uh, he hosts a Thrive Time show. Uh, he's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But in addition to hosting Thrive Time, he also hosts conferences, which you may have attended around the country. Many people do. They, the, the, uh, they're essentially the America Reawakening conferences uh, done in conjunction with Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And these are conferences around the country where outspoken, conservative thought leaders show up. They each get about 15 or 20 minutes to talk. But the great thing is they are presented to crowds around this country, growing number of people who are hearing these messages of freedom. And for many people, they're hearing kind of things they've always thought were true, assumed were true, but now they're finally seeing not just great speakers saying these truths about America, but they're also seeing, they're looking around at their fellow audience members and realizing, I'm not alone. I actually believe in freedom, too. I actually believe in America, too. I actually believe in restoring America, too. So, uh, Clay Clark is joining us, and I think we're mostly going to be talking about the World Economic Forum and Dr. Harari, who is the, uh, it's hard to even think of a horrible enough name for him, but Dr. Harari, whose clips we played in the past, we'll play again in a moment, advisors the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, and his evil views of what man really is. So let's welcome the show, Clay Clark. Hey, thank you for allowing me to be here. And I'm joined here with Aaron Antis, who runs Oklahoma's largest home building company. And uh, Dr. Northrup, I have to confess, I asked Aaron, I said, Aaron, could you join me on, on the tour to help uh, kill the spirit of fear? There was, there was yeah. spreading. There was two. I asked you, could you take two to six weeks maybe to help me yeah. stop spreading, uh, help, 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 help to stop the spread of the fear? Yep, you did. And how long ago was that first request? That was, uh, Mar that was two years ago. That was two years ago. So Oklahoma's largest home builder uh, here has taken uh, about two and a half years to join me on the tour. And he's here with me in the studio today. We just wrapped up an interview with General Flint. So thanks for having us here. Great to see you both. Actually, I do want to briefly ask Aaron, tell people how to find your home building business. Sure. It's shawhomes.com, S-H-A-W, shawhomes.com. It's here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma City. And you build custom homes or you build, or is that, or what is it you do? 
Yeah, we build homes from like 1,400 square feet to about 5,000 square feet. We've got um, tons of neighborhoods all over the Tulsa and Oklahoma City area building hundreds of homes. So. Okay, well, I love it. And I think you also, didn't you tell me at one point, I mean, a while ago now, that you also might build in Texas? Is that right? That is That will be our next step, next location after Oklahoma. So, yes. Okay, well, okay, because we're right next door. I mean, it's not that far I to come. You're ready for us to come down there. I know, Debbie. <laughs> okay, well, I want to ask you. So, Clay Clark, the thing I want to talk about with you today, and yep. I know you've been talking about it, is this Dr. Harari, and it's, it really is difficult to find an adjective sufficiently condemning of a person like this. But yep. this Dr. Harari is an advisor, a, a chief advisor to Klaus Schwab, who's the World Economic Forum guy. And Dr. Harari, the reason I have been, I want you listeners to understand, when I talk about the World Economic Forum and yep. the, the global reset, what people are thinking, I think sometimes people just think, well, it's just economic. Okay, so they advocate a little more redistribution yep. of wealth than I might want, or they're a little bit more of a, you know, whatever they would say, they think it's kind of a limited economic thing. Harari is making the point, and a very, very important point, of what he is standing for, which is really eliminating this sense of God-created man and unique God-given identity because of his advocacy, which I'm about to play a clip to show. But actually, Clay, you look like you wanted to say something first. Yeah, well, I just want to share this real quick. I want to make sure I, if I, I want to communicate three ideas succinctly. Aaron also went to Rama Bible College, so maybe you can share in this. But the word history means his story. Yeah. It's before Christ, right? Yeah. After death. Yeah. On Yuval Noah Harari's website, his mission statement is this, Debbie. His mission statement is, history began when humans invented gods and will end when humans become gods. I know. That's, it's it's, it's so outrageous. And, and so he is the lead advisor for Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum. Now, let me just read to you the list of accolades that Yuval Noah Harari has. He is praised by the likes of Barack Obama, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, TED Talks, Stanford, Harvard, Google Talks. Again, his name is Yuval Noah Harari, and they're trying to replace his story, right, history, his story with what they're calling the news story. It's literally called the Great Narrative. And the Great yep. Narrative, if you want to know what this is, folks, just Get the book, The Great Narrative, or just do a Google search right now for HR 6666. That is the legislation that would cause the implementation of their news story. They want to replace his story and other background information on Yuval Noah Harari, just so the people out there are, are, are familiar with this. His name is, again, it's Yuval Noah Harari. Yuval, in Hebrew, he only writes in Hebrew, by the way. His books are then translated into other languages. Yuval in Hebrew means descendant of Cain. In Hebrew, it means Jubal. Jubal is uh, the, the son of the first sexually perverse person in the Bible uh, by the name of Lamech. Okay, so that's Jubal. His last name is Harari, which means mountain. He's openly gay. He rejects the God of his fathers. He wants to ban the eating of meat. And I have a 10-second audio clip I just want to play for people to get it. The New York Times asked him, they said, at the end of the day, Dr. Harari, what is COVID-19 all about? And he actually said this out loud during an interview with the New York Times. Listen to this. The thing they will remember from the COVID crisis is this is the moment when everything went digital. And if this, is, this was the moment when every, everything became monitored. That okay. we agreed to be surveyed all, all the time, not just in authoritarian regimes, but even in democracies. And maybe most importantly at all, this was the moment when surveillance started going under the skin. Surveillance under the skin, which that's what COVID-19 stands for. Certificate of Vaccination IDAI. AI. That's the one in the nine. AI. First letter of the alphabet is A. Nine is the I. That's what okay. COVID-19 stands for. And so everybody just needs to understand this is a plan. Everything about what you're seeing is a plan, Debbie. Okay, I want to jump in and ask, Mr. Becker, I sent you a video by Dr. Harari, and the reason I want to do this is, yeah. I, I said earlier a moment ago that I think that a lot of people here at World Economic Forum, they think, well, what do I care? You know, they change the economic system. How's it going to matter to me? What they're talking about is changing the very concept of how mankind, how we identify ourselves, who we think we are, what we mm -hmm. think our rights are as creations of God. So there's a quick clip by Harari. If you can play that, Mr. Becker. 
In the past, many tyrants and governments wanted to do it, but nobody understood biology well enough. And nobody had enough computing power and data to hack millions of people. Neither the Gestapo nor the KGB could do it. But soon, at least some corporations and governments will be able to systematically hack all the people. We humans should get used to the idea that we are no longer mysterious souls. We are now hackable animals. Data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. And if indeed we succeed in hacking and engineering life, this will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity, this will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. For four billion years, nothing fundamental changed in the basic rules of the game of life. All of life for four billion years, dinosaurs, amoebas, tomatoes, humans, all of life was subject to the laws of natural selection and to the laws of organic biochemistry. But this is now about to change. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our clouds the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. Okay, we can cut them off right there. Let's cut them off right there. Clay, I want to tell you this most amazing thing. I had a guest on my show who had somehow found out about a conference put on by, it's not, I guess there's a distinction, I didn't know this, between the Latter-day Saints Church and the Mormon Church. But the Mormon is a subset of Latter-day Saints, and they put on a, con a conference about transhumanism. My friend went to it, as she says, I'm not Mormon, I'm not transhumanist, but she was curious what they had to say. What was mind-blowing, she shared with me, and I want to get your reaction to it, is these people at the Mormon conference were saying they were cheering on, cheering on transhumanism because well, they said this is a great thing because now we can just orchestrate life and we can just keep ourselves, we can make ourselves live longer and, and cure everything. I want to hear you. I, I mean, it's the most mind blowing. I was sure, I thought she was going to say they were condemning it and they were praising it. And, and tell me what you see is so wrong with it. I, I, I think it's horrible, but tell me your reaction. Well, okay. Uh, Elon Musk was interviewed here recently and he actually said that with the mRNA technology is just code that goes inside your body. Um, I'm quoting, he said that we could turn uh, a human into a butterfly with mRNA if we wanted to. I mean, that's what he actually said. It's crazy. Just, um, now, but if you, re if you read your Bible and you open up your Bible to uh, Revelation chapter, uh, Revelation is a scary book for a lot of people. Because a lot of pastors, there's too many, there's too much fog in a lot of churches, a lot of fog machines, quarantines, <laughs> skinny jeans. A lot of churches have so much fog they can't find the Bible. But anyway, if you, if you de defog the room and you read the Bible, Revelation chapter 18 uh, verse 23 says, And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall shine no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Aaron, you went to Bible college. Yeah. The, the candle, the light, what does that mean, the light in thee? Uh, that would be the voice of God or the Holy Spirit inside and of you. this technology, this RNA-modified nanotechnology, allows them to actually hack into humans and to uh, send you signals and to make you receive signals, thus being able to mute the voice of God. That, that makes sense. Also, the word sorcery, Revelation verses 18, chapter 18, verse 23, it says, For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And that in Greek is pharmakia. Pharmaceutical company. Okay. So I would just say the idea of putting any RNA modifying nanotechnology inside your body is, is, is a little bit wild. Now, if you open up your book of Revelation to chapter, Revelation chapter 13, and I know I'm throwing a lot of Bible verses at you quickly, you can watch this episode twice. Revelation chapter 13. <laughs> Verses 6 to 16 through 18, it says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in the right hand, 
or in their forehead, that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark of the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's the wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and 6. And I have five examples of 666. One, Congress is working on legislation right now called H.R. 666. Two, Congress is working on legislation called H.R. 6666. Three, the Google, the Google Chrome logo. Under, by the way, the mentorship of Silicon Valley looks up to Yuval Noah Harari, who's starting a, re a new religion there. He actually said he's starting a new religion called Dataism, based in Silicon Valley that promises people eternal life. This is a real thing. It's a real thing. Google has changed their logo to be 666. Just type in Google Chrome logo, 666. You can see it. Um, another example is the word Corona is actually 666. Bill Gates has a patent for a cryptocurrency that goes inside the human body with the uh, publication number W02020060606. And this just in uh, approximately 72 hours ago for most people around the world, a new wallet created uh, that, that will allow you to put a, it's called, it's a wallet that's going to replace your wallet because it's a chip in your hand. It's called Wallet More. Wallet More, yeah. a company that is financed with connections close to the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates has rolled out the new technology. So check this out. The two news stories that just came out were this. Check this out. Shanghai, the lockdowns have to be more strict because the virus was still able to spread despite the lockdowns, largely because money was the medium of exchange that allowed a pathogen uh, to be passed around. Uh, and then simultaneously, the news ran stories this, that said that Wallet Moore... Everywhere. The story ran in everywhere. cities all over the country. And now Wallet Moore is saying, now here's a great way to do transactions digitally yeah. where you don't have to have a... You, have to, you just put a chip in the hand. Yeah. And then the media is talking about how Elon Musk is great. Meanwhile, if you go to YouTube today and just type in Elon Musk, just go to YouTube and type in World Economic Forum Cyborg on YouTube. World Economic Forum Cyborg. That's the, that's the phrase you type in YouTube. The World Economic Forum did a, a, a conference where they said thanks to the technology created by Elon Musk, they now have the ability to create cyborgs. And they are excited about it. And this is what's happening. So I just want to encourage everybody out there, we need to use discernment right now. And understand, you do not want to put, so my action steps are do not put RNA-modifying nanotechnology inside your body. Don't put a chip in your hand to, to, to take the place of your wallet. No. Someone's going, wow, this is profound stuff. I thought I was going <laughs> to do that. And then the third is I would encourage you to make like Cash Patel. Cash Patel just joined the Reawaken America Tour. Jonathan Isaac, the NBA player that will not kneel. He will not bow down to the Black Lives Matter organization, which was founded by a lesbian Marxist by the name of Patrice Cullors and funded by a, by a racist white Nazi by the name of George Soros. He's joining the tour. Yep. Eric Trump's on the tour. We've had our incredible friend Debbie on the tour. We've had yeah. so many great speakers. And I, Mike folks, Lindell. Mike Lindell. And you can name your price. And I'm not, I'm not saying this with passion just because it costs me $3,000 a day to say this, but it does cost me $3,000 a day to say this because Dominion's Eric Coomer is actually suing me and suing the tour for saying that we are providing a platform for, for people to de de uh, defame Eric Coomer, the same Eric Coomer who drove a, a perfectly uh, good moving vehicle into a parked building while intoxicated. Then he lied to members of the police department while they filmed him on a body cam. Yep. That Eric Coomer, who's openly stated on Facebook that he does not like Trump supporters, that Eric Coomer, who told us that the election machines were not connected to the internet, to the internet is suing me. And last month alone, I spent $110,000 on legal fees to keep the tour going to an event that I don't take a salary or an income from. And people say, why are you doing it? Because there's a sense of urgency. And if you listen to this show, folks, I'm telling you, that's why I love Debbie's show. When Dr. Bartlett came out with Budesonide, the 100% yeah. effective treatment for COVID, the affordable treatment, Debbie got to business. She, she, she put it out there right away. And if you know what's good for you, you need to keep listening to Debbie's show. I'm, I'm telling you this because yeah. you share the truth with a sense of urgency. And that's what we need to do right now. That show, Debbie, when you interviewed Dr. Bartlett, it literally saved the lives of a lot of people I know. I want to thank you for that. I've never Absolutely. thanked you for that. But that was the first place I ever heard about it. And it literally saved a, a, a bunch of people I know. It saved their lives. Saved so lives. I, I, it sure did. I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate that Dr. Bartlett, actually, he's been a brave uh, speaker from the very beginning because yeah. he discovered this in his treatment in an emergency room when COVID was very new and there wasn't a protocol by anyone at that point recommending what to do. And he just used his 
uh, medical wisdom, medical training, medical experience and realized, you know, this could probably, COVID can be treated by budesonide, tried yep. it, and lo and behold, was so grateful to discover that his patients recovered very quickly, brave enough to say it, and even after being criticized in the medical community and uh, all sorts of other attacks they won't bother recounting you with, but he ended up just saying, I I'm going to tell you the truth. This is the truth. This is what happened. This is how it works. I do want to go back to your point about, uh, we were talking about a moment ago about Harari and the World Economic Forum, all the things going on. I think for Americans who uh, listen to all of this, they, yep. you, can, you can, as you said a moment ago, you can hear this ad about, well, gee, this is kind of cool. You can have the, uh, what you just call it, wallet more. Uh, you can put it in your hand and, and then you're at home free. Hey, you can go out and not worry about carrying your wallet, leaving your wallet somewhere. But the whole concept of America is counter to everything that is occurring in all the policies and all the agenda that the left is using to deal with COVID. If you lose your ability to decide, I think I'll pay cash because I don't want to have an economic transaction. I don't want to record the fact that I, I don't know, bought 10 Reese's Cups at one time at the grocery store. Whatever it is you do that you don't want to share, you need yeah. to have a sense of your privacy, your life. And this is not in America something that is subject to dispute about what we were founded on. We were founded on, and I always go back to America's time, the Declaration of Independence, the notion that you are a child of God with God-given oh. rights simply because you were born. That's why you have life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Everything they're trying to do is to take away, it will take away a great deal of your liberty, threaten your life, and certainly make you unhappy. You can go ahead now. I want to get those points in about America. This is counter to everything America yep. stands for. I would just say this in closing. If you go to time2freeamerica.com forward slash revelation. Again, folks, time2freeamerica.com. Time2freeamerica.com forward slash revelation. I know there's somebody right now taking notes while they're, they're, they're riding a skateboard. They're listening to the show with headphones, taking notes with an Etch-A-Sketch. They want to hear it again. It's oh, timetofreeamerica.com forward slash revelation. Somebody's taking notes with a ketchup packet right now and going, say it one more time. Wow. It's timetofreeamerica.com forward slash revelation. Some guy's whittling it away on a block of wood right now. Timetofreeamerica.com forward slash revelation. If you go there, I put all the patents there because we have great presenters like uh, uh, Dr. Rashid Buttar. Uh, uh, Mike Lindell, uh, uh, General Flynn, uh, Jim Caviezel, Sidney Powell, Simone Gold. I mean, I could just sit there and list speakers all day. Yeah. I'm taking notes. Yeah. And I organize their information and the patents and everything that proves their plan. And I organize it in a timeline. And I can just tell you, folks, it is the most thorough timeline I, I have seen. And that's not a credit to me. It's because the speakers we have are absolutely sharing the truth. And all we're doing is organizing. And Aaron, that thing beefs up every day. It does. And it I'm telling so you, if you want to wake up your family and friends, I mean, you just go to timetofreeamerica.com forward slash revelation and say, hey, why did the uh, system and method for, for testing for COVID-19 get patented in 2015? What? 2015? I mean, yeah. wow. I mean, that'll wake, that'll wake somebody up. You know, it's all the patents prove their plan. We Jesus is king, folks. And that's how we're going to win this thing. Jesus is king. But what does that mean? It means that you have to join team persecution. I don't want to join that team. No, you want to join that team. I don't want to join. T team persecution works like this. The hours are, are long. The pay is low. You actually don't get paid. But what you get is your freedom back. All right. So I need every single person right now. It, I don't care where you're at, what your circumstance is. Go to timetofreeamerica.com and either, A, come out to one of the events. We have seven tickets left for Myrtle Beach, yep. a thousand okay. tickets left for Virginia Beach, or B, share the truth in the air everywhere. Everybody needs to know what's going on. And if you want those 79 Yuval Noah Harari clips, I've got 79 clips I can text to you right now. Just text me at 918-851-0102, 918-851-0102. Someone says, what are you saying? 918 0102. Debbie, thank you so much for letting me be here with you. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for joining me so very much. I urge our listeners to go to the websites that Clay mentioned. They have tons of great information, including jobs you can seek if you don't want to have the vaccine. Lots of great information. It's Clay Clark, thank you so very much for joining me. Thank you. Take care, Thanks, Chief. Bye-bye. Okay, my friends, so if our radio listeners have already gone off in their break, you know, my little pitch at the bottom of the hour, my little uh, shorter story, um, I want to talk about the... Um, in fact, it'll go on for quite a while, but the next thing I wanted to talk about was, I, I talk to you all the time. In fact, I mentioned to you last week, the guest we had on our show last Thursday, Xi Van Fleet, grew up in China under Mao Zedong, is trying to raise the flag of danger to America, wave the red flag, 
please wake up, understand you're watching in your country a Marxist invasion. They may be not wearing uniforms and drop, dropping bombs or shooting bullets, but the Marxist ideology has invaded America. And so she talks about this in a whole variety of ways. If you didn't see that interview last Thursday, when I'm saying her name is Xi, it's X-I, Xi Van Fleet from China. I want to talk about today how to fight that because I think many parents and, and many patriots, many citizens, you realize that things are being taught in your kids' schools and you cannot believe what's being taught to your children. But there it is. These things being taught to your children are contrary to what you believe, what America stands for, what America was founded on. So people get frustrated and they finally had a great uprising of parents, the, the kind of mom army showing up at the uh, school board meetings, not just mom, dads do, but showing up at school board meetings and saying, I don't want you teaching critical race theory to our children because you're pitting them against each other based on religion, based on their, excuse me, based on skin color and, and encourage them to hate each other and to hate Americans. That's what critical race theory, to summarize, as someone says it, is designed to teach us all to divide into groups or categories or silos by race and then hate everyone else who's not the same color as you, permanently characterize people as bad because they're not in your group. I mean, there's so much being taught that's wrong in public schools. Love, love, love that parents are finally speaking up. But what I want to talk about is three other ways that the Marxist ideology is being fought in America, and it just kind of warms my heart to tell you these great stories. Uh, number one, there is, uh, in the U.S. House, in the U.S. Congress, there is a bill that the Republicans have drafted. Now, of course, it's not going to go anywhere because the Democrats still have the majority, but the House GOP have put together a bill to essentially withdraw, once Republicans have power again, withdraw the National Charter of the NEA, the National Education Association, which was created, I think it was 1906. So back when teachers weren't crazy and the school system wasn't crazy, Congress created the National Education Association in 1906, chartered by Congress, gets federal funding, and is a, the overarching um, academic um, union, essentially a labor union for teachers, and it is a radically leftist organization right down in the pits, right down in the fight with standing up and standing for all of these anti-American ideas, pushing critical race theory, pushing the LGBTQ agenda on kindergartners, pushing transgenderism, every single issue that I'm telling you, 75% of America is with the conservatives, but you have power held in the hands and federal authority and funding held in the hands of the NEA. So you want to know a real way to fight? The GOP says, okay, we're going to propose a bill. Now, as I say, it can't go anywhere yet, but it's out there. The idea is out there to uncharter, to take away the charter of the National Education Association because they have simply become, become a left-wing, anti-American uh, echo chamber. That's all they do. They do not stand for anything good. They stand for left-wing ideas. And I'll just as one little example why nothing in the federal government should be backing them because they are hopelessly partisan. That organization, so disclosures made, so you ask how much money they give, how much money they give. Uh, disclosures made to the Department of Labor because they have to report under the Office of Labor Management Standards September 2019 to August 2021, so pretty much two years. The NEA spent over $116 million on political activities and lobbying. And just in the 2020 election cycle, so just in the election cycle where the election was stolen, in the election of 2020, 95.7% of candidate campaign contributions by the NIA, NEA went to Democrats. So, you know, this is finally, Republicans are saying, why do we, when we get the majority back, why should the NEA continue to even have a national charter, national backing, national funding? They are just a propaganda arm of the anti-American left, and it's time to stop enabling that. It is a, doing something beyond just standing up. Another one is pushing back when the schools and universities, which have simply lost their minds in what they are engaged in, in the indoctrination of our young people in this country, uh, the, you know, many universities have massive, massive efforts to allegedly 
uh, expose white privilege, uh, you know, condemn white privilege, force white students to demand their white privilege and, and to check their privilege at the door, um, exalting everyone who's not white as somehow a victim uh, who should be perpetually outraged, attacking people because over their skin color, which of course no one since time began ever chose their skin color, but that's what they're trying to do. So they also have become universities and schools. They have been just breeding grounds for this lunacy of transgenderism. Transgenderism is a mental illness where you actually think, it's one thing to say, I know I'm a girl, but I really wish I were a guy. That's one thing to say. I mean, when you're an adult and that's what you want to do, you know, uh, Bruce Jenner became Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, you know, it's a free country if you're an adult. But what is so insidious about what the left is teaching about transgenderism, it's not you saying, dealing with biological reality and saying, yes, I am a, I'm a woman, but it's teaching you your biology, your actual who you are, what you are, has nothing to do with what your, your identity has nothing to do with what you are. You can just be whoever you say you are. So people go to, it's now as young as in, in, um, in elementary school and junior high school and college and, and high school, certainly on to college, where kids are just saying, I'm transgender. I'm, I know I'm really a guy, but I'm going to pretend I'm a girl. So some people who are wanting to have the professors and the school accommodate this. Well, in the left's endless effort to capitulate to every left-wing pressure point, everything the left wing comes up with, whether it is white supremacy and systemic racism or whatever the latest trend is in the anti-American leftist mindset, universities go along to. They just salute, bow, tell us what to say. So schools have started to bow almost, you know, just, just completely to this idea of transgender, transgenderism. So there is a school, uh, Shawnee State University, Shawnee State University, and a professor named Nick Merriweather. Nick Merriweather, he's a professor, and he had a student come to him and say that they wanted to be referred to by a certain pronoun. Let's just say it was a girl, and she wanted to be referred to as, by, as though she were a guy, as he and him. And this professor just said, no, I'm not going to do that because that's inconsistent. And he actually invoked his religious beliefs that you're just, I, I mean, I, I can, he tried to be accommodating, just saying, I don't have to use any pronouns. Uh, I, I don't have to, I don't want to offend you. But I'm not going to play in your pretend that you are, you know, really what you're not. I mean, you're a girl, and, and, you're, and I can't call you a guy. So Meriwether refuses to go along with this. Um, he was first placed, uh, he was given a warning, disciplined by the university, lost some of his university privileges as a professor, a written warning got put in his permanent file with a further notice to him, a promise to apply further corrective actions if he did that in the future. He's being forced to pretend to lie, essentially engage in this, this insanity that a student who's really, and I don't know which way the transgender thing was in this case, let's just say it was a girl trying to claim she's a guy, and he said, I, I can't call you that. So the university disciplined him. He didn't lose his job, uh, but they disciplined him, and he sued the university. He took them to court, and he won in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit in March, just last month won that and he won, he ended up finally getting to a settlement agreement and the school had to pay him $400,000. And that was to cover legal fees and damages. And the reason I want to celebrate this case is, um, okay, actually it was a male student who was trying to pretend to be female. And he said to the student, yes, sir. And the student who is male, biologically and in reality male said, oh, no, no, you can't, you can't say sir to me because I'm really a female. He said, no, you're not. I mean, he wasn't taunting him. He wasn't mocking him. He wasn't following him out into the courtyard and yelling after him. He's just saying, I I'm not going to call you by female pronouns because you're really a guy. So the school disciplines him. He sues. He gets a judgment. And the reason I'm celebrating this case is you can't push, it back, push back against this transgender lunacy without pushing back. I mean, you can't fight it unless you'll fight. I'm going to say I think most professors in most universities end up realizing their school is pushing this transgender stuff. They're pushing professors to play along with a fantasy some student is engaged in, or you could even say lunacy may sound like an unkind word, fantasy, confusion, uh, ju just you know, mental illness that they actually think they're the other gender. They're not saying I want to become the other gender. They're saying I am the other gender when they're not.
So he said, so many professors just say, you know what, I, I like teaching whatever they teach. I like teaching music or history or art or geology. I don't want to lose my job, fine. If some kid tells me he wants to you know, pretend he's the other gender and wants me to call him a her, what do I care? But the problem is, if everybody submits, if everyone just says, well, you know, I don't really want to push back. I mean, everyone else is going along with it. What the heck? And he said, no, I won't do that. He didn't try to make a big scene. He said, I won't comply. I won't play your, I won't indulge in your fantasy. If you told me you were a zebra, I wouldn't indulge in that fantasy either. You're a guy. And I, I don't have to call you any pronouns. You try to be reasonable. But I'm getting to the point for most professors and, and many people in life, it's easier just to go along with the fantasy. But the problem is this whole transgenderism thing is not just a, a, a new, it's like, the, it's like the most trendy new thing to be. I mean, the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but the numbers of young students now claiming that they are suffering transgenderism and they really are biologically one sex, but they wish they could be the other one. Uh, that it is like it is like a plague. It's worse than the pandemic. It's it's worse than any. It's a plague of mental confusion. And you can't fight back against it if you indulge. If you indulge it, so he just said no. I can't can't indulge it. I can't do that. That's not who you are. So I can't do that. Uh, so anyway, and so by standing up, and then actually, even when he wasn't fired, just because he was disciplined and got a disciplinary notice put in his file filed a lawsuit and had the courage to stand in front of a court, district court, and then the appellate court, the Sixth Circuit, and finally get a settlement, he made a statement to the university that they are the ones out of line indulging in lies, indulging in fantasy, and they can't force other people to indulge in that fantasy. It was a great thing. Another example of standing up, just like Congress saying, uh, you know what, actually, um, you know, we're not going to keep on funding the NEA when they keep on telling us, um, you know, that what uh, the NEA when they keep on funding left-wing causes. One other quick thing about standing up against this Marxist in, uh, invasion of America, this ideological invasion, so which is a great example too, is Governor DeSantis in Florida. He now has called a special session of the Florida legislature, which governors have to do that quite often if the legislature doesn't get important bills done. They and the legislative session is over for that uh, legislative year. They sometimes call a special session. You know, everyone's got to come back, all the state senators, all the state reps, and deal with some issues. And on the issues that Governor DeSantis tried to put, it did put on the agenda for the special session, is the is our items related to Disney. Items related to Disney. Who, as you likely know, when Florida passed this. We're going to stop sexually propagandizing five-year-olds, which is what essentially Florida passed. They passed a bill saying we're not going to have sexual alluring, sexual, sexual propagandizing of sweet young children between the ages of kindergarten and third grade. So it's basically five till eight or five till nine. We're going to keep the gender agenda, the transgender agenda, out of those classrooms and let these kids have like a normal childhood, a normal school experience. Disney weighed in, mocking and weeping and whining and moaning about it and, uh, and, and kept criticizing, kept saying, even though Disney's not even a school, it's just located in, in uh, Florida, they kept complaining. DeSantis says, you know what, actually, in this special session, they're actually going to go after and attempt to remove from Disney previously provided statutory tax breaks and other protection. Disney kind of, you know, it was, it was so sweet for Florida to get Disney there because it was such a huge attraction for tourism that the state legislature previously gave them breaks on taxes. It's a whole long story, which doesn't matter going into in the detail, but they brought, they brought Disney and allowed Disney to get developed in Florida, getting special treatment both with respect to taxes and also with respect to kind of being their own little, like their own little city. They, they have their own uh, control. They're not controlled by the surrounding uh, communities, fire department, police, all that kind of stuff. They got to be their own little special world. And that is statutory. And Governor DeSantis is saying, you know, you're going to keep fighting with Texas and trying. And you, know, you think about how crazy this is. Disney's not a school. It's none of their business what the state legislature decides to do. State legislature composed of people elected by the citizens of Florida who are doing the will of the Florida people, the Florida citizens. 
who live there, who pay taxes, who elect the legislature. And that legislature that elect, elected in Florida saw fit to stand up for families and small children and to get this sexual uh, propagandizing of young children, the grooming, and actually it is grooming what they're doing now in public schools, just said not happening here. We're going to protect young children. You, I mean, honestly, I told you before, my friend, friends, I think all of the sexual grooming agenda, the LGBTQ advocacy, the pride parades, get all that out of public schools. It hits, anyway, so this is what happened uh, standing up. I want to tell you two other things about this um, whole agenda the left has on this subject. There's a, uh, now, because the left is so immersed in pondering everyone's sexuality, sexual preferences, sexual identity, there's now a flag system, I kid you not, a flag system. I sent it to Mr. Becker. They now have sexual identity flags. I'm not kidding. You can see across the top, an LGBT, transgender, bisexual, lesbian, pansexual, asexual, intersex, genderqueer, non-binary, aromatic, straight, and straight ally. Please ponder what this means. Our society, especially schools and other institutions, are so obsessed with sexuality, so obsessed with pondering sexuality and openly sharing their sexuality and advocating for this, the sexuality and, and the sexual perversions and desires of every person. And then now they have their own flags to wave. And you could probably put it on your, I don't know, your locker, your lunchbox, your classroom, notebooks, whatever you would put, your, your laptop to identify who you are. I want to say, you know, for the most part, for most Americans, and myself included, I am not all about condemning people, adults, private choices in their life. I, I mean, we, everyone I know knows couples who are gay, lesbian, or whatever their other, other however, names they would use about themselves. What has become so offensive and why do you have so many people now speaking up around the country is because this whole advocacy that used to be tolerance has become the message of the LGBTQ, you know, and then plus, 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 all the little letters they put on the end. The whole point of the advocacy is you, American citizen, you're going to agree with me that my sexual preferences, my choices, my identity is beautiful and wonderful and moral and legitimate. You are not allowed to have any questioning or negative feelings about my personal choices. They're not looking, they're not standing up for rights. You, you've got to get that point through. They're not standing up for rights. They're trying to get in your face, every American citizen, and cram their sexual preferences down your throat, and you have to agree with them, or else you're called some bad name they came up with. And this is why I love what DeSantis is doing in Florida. He's not just saying, we're getting the law passed. He's saying, and Disney, you're part of this whole left-wing, uh, just monstrous cabal of people trying to push sexuality and every current perversion uh, related to sexuality down the throats of the people and we're, and we're just not taking it. Not, go not going along, not going to do that. Okay, I have a very quick thing I want to hit on the Dems insurrection. I've talked to you before about um, how the insurrection clause in the Constitution on the day of January 6th, many, many, many people uh, empowered, influenced began calling the, the uh, disturbance at the Capitol, the riot that got a tiny bit out of control on January 6th at the Capitol, calling an insurrection. And by the way, if you missed the interview in my show with Julie Kelly, who is the author of the book called January 6th, she's also the one who um, uh, has been writing columns on American greatness all along, recounting, regaling, explaining, laying out the facts of January 6th, cannot urge you strongly enough to listen to that interview and read her book. It's truly a stellar book. Uh, but the point of all this is the leftists in this country, which include like George W. Bush, chose the word insurrection because they want to use the clause in the Constitution that refers to insurrection in the 14th Amendment to basically say Trump can't run for office ever again. It's the entire point of the January 6th committee. It is to bring not just Donald Trump out of political uh, contention, but it's to make every single person who likes, supports him, or in any way cheered him on, uh, on in his effort to challenge election integrity, to make them 
frightened and feel like they're insurrectionists. So now the insurrection clause, uh, there was a litigation brought against, I can't think of his name, some uh, Republican congressman claiming that he wasn't allowed to run again for Congress. He's incumbent, was he running again? Litigation brought saying he was guilty of violating the insurrection clause of the 14th Amendment because he was in Washington that day uh, on January 6th and the court threw out that case. Well, now they're coming after uh, one of my uh, favorite congresswomen, Mar uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, also trying to say that she, the lawsuit's been filed, they call us using lawfare, lawsuit been filed um, under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution saying she's not allowed to run for Congress again because after all, she supported President Trump's efforts to stand up for election integrity. Uh, I'm going to hit one last quick story, um, and I just want to do a, a touch on this. You know, I always get this point in the show, and I have more things than I have time. I need a special time warp machine. If anyone out there is listening and you can invent a time warp machine that I really have like five minutes left or six minutes, but I would like another hour, and you can send me, like email me and tell me about it because I will buy that machine because I need more time. But very quickly, I'll touch on it today. I'll have to come back to it tomorrow. Uh, but I want to touch on the story about the subway shooting in New York City. And basically just want to say that the gentleman who was arrested, I shouldn't call him a gentleman, the man who was arrested for shooting up the subway in Brooklyn, um, Frank James, was, is a black man who was arrested for literally opening fire in the subway. And his social media all of what he had on social media, where, you know, where people put their true heart feelings or their deeply held beliefs, was just ranting, ranting about hating white people. Ranting about being black and a victim. Ranting about how much he hates white people. I mean, I, I, I probably have to come back to this story because I want to do it justice. This story is, uh, this guy was a victim of the left-wing endless race baiting. When leftists prop up critical race theory and the Black Lives Matter organization and they spend their entire uh, political effort trying to divide America along the lines of race, trying to convince every single person who happens to have black skin you're a victim and everybody hates you, trying to tell everyone who happens to have white skin that you are an oppressor no matter how good a person you are, no matter what you do, you're evil, you're an oppressor. That is the message of critical race theory. That's what it says. It's not, I'm not exaggerating. That's what it says. So he hears this. He hears about white privilege and systemic racism. And he's not very bright guy. And he's not very worldly. And he's not very well read. He actually internalizes this. And this is what caused him to engage in that attack on the subway. Now you tell me why this, this should not be on the, this should be not a, you know, a, a chain around the neck. Why this should not be a completely responsibility, responsibility should, be, should not be ascribed to the left-wing endless race baiters. Why isn't it their fault that this is what this man did? Because the answer is it is their fault. When you constantly tell people, especially not really bright people, not really well-educated, or really, you know, living in their little hovel, living there, their, you know, having a very closed life, not reading, not thinking very much, that, that America is a deeply racist country and everybody hates you, because you're black, people are, are this guys like this, they actually think it's true. They actually internalize it and they act on it. And yeah, I'm going to tell you, nobody is going to uh, hold the left wing blathermouths accountable for what they've done to this country, to this man, to those victims on the subway. There was another great story. I'm going to go back to the story more tomorrow or someday, but uh, there was actually a new candidate for Congress out of, I think it's Rochester, New York, a former black police chief, Democrat his whole life, black police chief, his name, um, and his name is Laron Singletary, former Rochester police chief Laron Singletary, who has changed parties and running as a Republican for Congress, saying you cannot stand the Democrat Party when they turn on the police and encourage people to engage in violence toward the police. I want to tell my, uh, I have a couple of really great things I want to share with you. Uh, and this is a, just really uh, one of the best parts of the show to encourage all of us to feel more like you're part of the America Can We Talk family. Number one, to support this show, I urge you, I implore you to support this show. 
you can, by one way you can do that is to buy some products that are, I have very, very few sponsors for the show. I don't have long advertisements, but one of them is MyPillow. And at the, the website, MyPillow, MyPillow.com, you can go to that website, and I'm telling you, every product my husband and I have purchased in this was a great website, high quality, high caliber, reasonably priced, many options. Go to MyPillow.com and put in at the promo code at the end, Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. Order everything you want. Order a lot. Help me out. You get up to 66% off on the total price of your order. I get a small uh, payment toward me. This helps keep this show, show rocking and rolling on air. I also uh, have the other one who helps with this show is an organization that produces HydroShot. The website for those listening on radio is H2Bev. H, the number, the, the digit two, Bev, B-E-V, H2Bev.com. The drink is called HydroShot. I drink one every morning. They're only available to order online. You cannot buy them in any, any store anywhere. They are, they have hydrogen infused. They are a truly, I'm telling you, I drink one in the morning. They are, they help bring focus and clarity. They, they help, they give you energy. It's just a great little product uh, and with many, many success stories, which you can read at their website, h2bev.com. But if you go there to order, you also get, you put in the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, and you get 10% off on your order, delivered right to your house. I'm telling you, I learned about it from my good doctor friend, who said, I was telling him we were kind of dragging after we had the flu. We didn't feel as better as quickly as we'd like to. And my, my, uh, this doctor friend said, I'm telling you, H2Bev is a wonderful thing. So we have, I want to just mention one other thing before we have our uh, radio listeners go off the air. For radio listeners, you can go to americacanwetalk.org. At our website, sign up for the newsletter, become a member for $50 a year, read all the great stuff on our website, and come back every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. And I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow. Okay, so for the, for the rest of you listening on, uh, watching this show, I want to tell you that this show, I, I, it may be obvious when I talk to you about this show, I love doing this show. I feel blessed beyond belief to have the opportunity to pick stories every day and talk to you for an hour. I clearly could talk for two hours that all tie into and tie back to the mission of this show was to stand up and speak up for America, the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. And I close out the show by sharing with you the, the uh, feature I do at the end of every show is why it matters to you. So we start our show today. Uh, we're getting to our why it matters. The mass mandate lift, lifted and hilarity ensues. I, I really found that, that whole tweet exchange funny. Lots of video clips of cheering airline passengers as if slavery is ending. Overwhelming majority of Americans supports the end of masking. Airlines at first balked at following the court rule and bowed to the Biden administration. That lasted about 10 minutes. Both all airlines said, never mind, we're going to follow. We're going to uh, take away the mask mandate. TSA announced a stand down on mask enforcement. Airlines quickly went along. Court ruling really went right to the question of the CDC's authority. Judge said, uh, no, you did not have this authority, CDC. Leftist angry at Trump judge, but she was actually following the law. Far too much autocratic emergency power was grabbed by various government levels, not appropriate in a free republic. Courageous follow-the-law judges made a make a difference in saving America. And on fighting the Marxist, <clears throat> the next uh, slide we had, uh, fighting the Marxist ideological Try, try to reopen this, uh, the Marxist ideological invasion, the how-to. An invasion is truly what America faces, and it must be stopped. Here are difference makers helping to make it stop. Judge Mazzell recognizes limits to CDC authority to mandate masks. GOP introduces a bill to stop funding the NEA, I just love that one, which uses most of it to help Democrats. Professor fights back against pronoun insanity, wins, actually won 400000 I think maybe plus a little more in damages. Uh, Florida legislature moving to take away special Disney privileges. An overwhelming majority of Americans oppose the Biden agenda. They must stand up and stop it. And on the Dems, insurrection insanity rolls on. Lawfare now targeting Marjorie Taylor Greene for disqualification from eligibility to run for Congress. To run again, she is currently a member of Congress. Stretching insurrection narrative to try and fit certain GOP candidates there was no insurrection on January 6, 2021, and no amount of legal posturing will change that fact. The more the insurrection narrative is pushed, the more attention is drawn to the evidence. 20 federal agents reportedly embedded in January 6 at the Capitol 
and may I point out, encouraging the protesters to engage in behavior that got them arrested later. Leftists relentlessly used court shopping. Well, I've got to go back to that one. Sorry. Relentlessly used court shopping to accomplish what legislatures never intended. And the leftist race baiters causing violent crime. Um, black former police chief in Rochester, New York, uh, moves to the Republican Party and runs for Congress, defunding the police as inexcusable policy from Democrats. The New York subway shooter rants and raves about white supremacy and advocated violence carries out a mass shooting. And why shouldn't there be accountability for the purveyors of critical race theory, oppressor victim ideology that, predict that predictably provokes such behavior? And that's our show for today. For tomorrow, my very fine friends, on Wednesday, we have Justin Haskins joining us. Of the, uh, He is a co-wrote a book with Glenn Beck about the Great Reset. So he's a co-author of that book. He is with the Heartland Institute. He joins us tomorrow. Thursday, Raymond Ibrahim, a, an astonishing, wonderful scholar who knows all about jihadist Islam in America. He is a student of the, he is an American uh, citizen. Uh, he is not Muslim, but he has deeply studied the uh, Quran and the ancient actions of people who follow the teachings of Muhammad. He is an extraordinary source of understanding the jihadist movement, which is alive and well in this world today. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America Can We Talk. Truth about America.